Welcome, everyone, to the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I am uh, Paul Neifer, your host, and today I, I'm going to welcome in Todd Doring from Centrex in, in Central Illinois. And I, I can't believe it, Todd. I think you and I have known each other. I think it's going on 11 years now. Does that sound about right to you? Yes, I think so. Um, I think we got to know each other before 20, well, maybe even longer. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. I think... I think the first time I attended and spoke at the Farm Financial Standards Council was in 2011 in Sioux Falls. So I guess that'd be 11 years, you know, so that's uh, somewhere in that time period. But, you know, and of course, these days, it's uh, anything before COVID feels like it's an extra five years. You know, I I think that's uh, that's the reality. (laughs) And then I was uh, I was actually doing a, a. another podcast this morning with a farmer from from minnesota and they still have a few inches of snow on the ground but i'm guessing in your neck of the woods uh that uh, you're probably almost getting ready for some spring planting how's it looking in your area yeah it looks it looks good we've actually had some pretty nice weather the last 10 days um in the 70s yesterday a lot of rain overnight so um we're, yeah we are not in a drought a lot, a lot of moisture so I think once once it dries out, I mean, people are ready to go. Yeah, we. Uh, I think tomorrow we're supposed to hit 70, and we've had a fair amount of moisture too, but not. I would say not that much that's preventing field work. You know, people are out. Uh, uh, I know canola. Uh, oh, I was at a meeting up in Spokane at the end of February, and somebody was getting ready to plant some canola. So you know, we'll have green or green peas. They're being planted right about now, canola and so on. And then, uh, you know, the other major spring crops will get planted here over the next probably three to four weeks. So, uh, but uh, let's go ahead and start with uh, your background, where you grew up, college, uh, uh, all that good stuff and where you're at right now. Sure. Yeah. Thanks, Paul, for having me. Appreciate it. So I grew up uh, right in the middle of the state in a uh, uh, rural Lincoln, Illinois, uh, on a corn, soybean, and hog farm uh, in the 70s and 80s. Pretty typical of, of uh, the area. At the time, uh, my dad uh, went into confinement hogs in the early, very early 80s, and um, pretty, pretty sizable for, for that time. I mean, now those, those types of farms don't exist really, but uh, if you remember the economic conditions at that time, um, we were experiencing rampant inflation, yep. uh, recession, high interest rates. And so in the early 80s, you know, it was, you know, 20 plus percent on the operating line for interest. So it was kind of a, a tough time. I, I worked a lot, um, you know, every day I was coming home, uh, helping, helping out. I did enjoy that. I really did. It was it was hard work, but it was actually good. It was enjoyable uh, at the same time as it was hard. And so I I went to college. Uh, I came to college here at the University of Illinois over in Champaign, which is where Centrec is located. And I started in ag science. I, I had planned to go back to the farm um, as I, you know, was was going through college. I, I certainly 
missed parts of the farm, but I must say I didn't miss all of it like I thought. <laughs> uh, I started to enjoy other things, and so I ended up um, changing my major. It was agricultural economics, um, and anyway, I really was able to focus in on some areas that uh, I I enjoyed. Um, so obviously economics, but also finance, uh, a little bit of accounting, and um, and I started working at Centrec uh, when I was an undergrad part time. Um, I I thought about going to grad school, so I did that. Uh, went went straight through here. Uh, was able to work at Centrec as well. Uh, focused more on accounting uh, in my graduate program, but then when I was about ready to start looking for a job, Centrec offered me a position, and uh, anyway, I. I was just really excited. I mean, I I, I have thoroughly enjoyed the work here. Uh, lots of opportunities to do the types of things that that I like, and um, yeah, it, it's just it's a lot of um, financial economic modeling. Um, you know, working with operations, um, and so anyway, it's been a, a rewarding career so far. Really, have enjoyed it and the, the clients that we get to work with. So. I have now been at Centrec for over 30 years, so I know that's <laughs> rare this, this in this day and age, but uh, it's it's been a long time. That, that's a good sign. So let's let's dive into what what Centrix does. I mean, you sort of you know, touched briefly, but what would be maybe the two or three key things that Centrix does, the two or three different types of customer base for Centrix? I, I think the listeners out there would be interested in learning that. Yeah, so let me just back up for a minute. The The company was founded in 1983. So I was in high school at the time. And uh, so, so obviously it preceded, it preceded me by, by a few years. So that was right in the middle of the farm credit crisis, right? Yeah. That's when things were really tough. And uh, the, the original name of the company was Agricultural Education and Consulting. Um, it was founded by a few professors at the U of I and and the managing partner. And uh, the the first project and the initial work was training agricultural lenders. And that's actually still a key part of what we do. But it was uh, providing training for uh, analysis, computation and analysis of accrual financial statements. So prior to that point in time, a lot of Ag lending was, you know, based upon the collateral mm -hmm. of, of the land and, and uh, the, you know, the character and the, um, well, yeah, the character of the borrower. And it wasn't, I believe, until the mid 80s that um, regulators started to require um, that type of analysis to happen anyway. So it really now you'll, you'll hear lenders talk about cash flow analysis, um, which is really more a function on the on the commercial side, but, you know, moving moving away from just looking at the collateral to actually understanding is this operation generating profit uh, was was a big deal. And it wasn't without kicking and streaming, screaming or so I'm told. But uh, so that's how the company started. Uh, we we continue to do that. We continue to provide training, uh, both classroom based, although that's been on hiatus uh, due to COVID, but that's yep. coming back as well as self-study. And so we have lots of materials and resources for for financial professionals. So lenders, analysts, um, 
you know, uh, executives in, in financial institutions work out. Um, so underwriters, a whole host of different uh, folks have went through through our programs. We, we still continue to deliver that a few times a year. Um, again, this precedes me, but over the life of the company, you know, we've trained over 10,000 lenders, um, which is more lenders than exist. So a few yeah. of them through it a couple times, uh, or some of our stuff a couple times. So now is, that's one is, part of what we do. So on those lenders, is that primarily, I would say primarily community banks, or is that the farm credit system? Is it a combination of both? I'm, I'm just sort of curious on that. Yeah, it's a, it's a combination of both, um, and including sometimes captive finance, life insurance companies. So it it, it is pretty representative, or at least for, it has been uh, in the past. Yeah, I I think as, as I look back on the kind of how the training has evolved, we we do uh, one training or two training sessions a year that is sponsored by RMA. Uh, risk management agency mm -hmm. and that allows smaller community banks to be able to send their folks to it um, otherwise we do provide this in-house training for larger institutions and farm credit associations okay okay and so, I'm, I'm just sort of curious why would rma want to be a sponsor is it because they're trying to because I, I typically think, hey, that's crop insurance not financial oh no 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 uh, no sorry this is this, this is out of Philadelphia, it's a. Oh, a okay. Sorry, okay. wrong. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, it used I got to be my a, I got my farmer hat on the side on the right. head. So <laughs> I probably should have said formerly known as the Robert Moore Robert Morrison Associates. Okay. And okay. There you probably have heard of them. So. Yes, I have definitely heard of them. Okay. Now, now, you know, yeah, I'm a little slow on the uptake there, uh, Todd. So <laughs> they, yeah, they, they, they went through a name change, but you know, they're. Originally, they were doing a lot of statement studies, you know, compilation of statements, and they they do yep. a lot of training to commercial uh, lenders. And this is one of the specific ag lending programs that they that they sponsor. So we we deliver that for them. But but the the reason I mention it is because you were asking about community bankers, and that that allows smaller uh, folks from smaller institutions to come to this training, right, without having us come in house yep. uh, to do yeah. that. I, you know, I remember in my earlier days, because I'm just a little bit older than you, Todd, but not too much older, but I'm definitely older, um, you know, when I was doing some valuation type work, not formal valuation, but I was doing valuation work and I would grab the RMA binder and it would have the, you know, the trends and all the ratios for a certain industry. And I, I definitely remember looking through those manuals. Of course, now, you would look at it online and so on. I mean, uh, th those days have, have certainly changed. Yeah, yeah, the delivery has changed. Um, the material certainly, you know, and, and and a lot of our training is based on case studies and group work. Um, and, and COVID certainly changed things, you know, yes. doing, doing this material online. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously it's, it's good to be in front of people, but, you know, we had to adapt and yeah. so we did. I, I, I think, you know, because I, I certainly do a fair amount of training, too, for for CPAs and other accountants out there. And I think most of them prefer in person. But I think there is a core group that has found that they do like the virtual. It's it's easier. They don't have the travel. Um, now, I have a feeling some of them probably uh, multitask while they're listening to the to the material. 
Um, but I know for me personally, I much prefer the in-person because talking to a screen for eight hours on end is, is not my favorite activity. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I agree 100% with that. You know, one of the things that we did is we broke this class up. It's a three-day class, so we broke it up into much smaller bits of time. Yeah. You know, so so people aren't sitting at a screen uh, in a meeting, right, or a training session for a full eight hours because that's just not fun. Okay. So bankers are a core customer base. Are there other? Uh, is there other customer base that 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 you uh, provide uh, help for? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I mentioned that that that's actually the smaller of our segments, but I mentioned that because that's how the company began. Um, I mean, we really tout ourselves as a management consulting company focused in the food and ag sector. So almost everything we do is related to the agricultural supply chain somehow. Um, we do work with a few large farm operators across the country. Uh, that, that has changed over time, but um, we've, we've gotten to know those through industry training, such as TPAP and APEX, um, other, other industry events and, and word of mouth. And that involves a whole host of management accounting functions, um, you know, negotiations, employee review, hiring, training, um, you know, implementing accounting systems, um, you know, just reviewing things, helping with, you know, ad hoc decisions uh, over time, you know, capital budgeting, crop insurance, things of that sort, you know, as well as feasibility studies on expansions or acquisitions. So that that that's a part that um, probably we've been doing for half of the time the company's been around uh, as farmers have become larger and they mm -hmm. have went from, you know, perhaps a, a, a couple that, you know, husband and wife, they're only the operation or, you know, a couple brothers or, you know, family or whatnot. But as they've grown, both, both in terms of, you know, the, the number of acres or, you know, their livestock production, you know, as well as the the need to become more sophisticated has also grown, right? The, yep. the systems that need to be in place to manage all of that. And so as these, op some of these farm operations, while still family owned, you know, they may have a crop manager, a livestock manager, they may have a uh, an accountant, a CFO. So they start to have the types of positions, right? That that commercial enterprises have. And so yep. when you when you grow beyond, you know, the original owners, you know, having other systems in place, you know, they, they they begin to rely on that and those are needed. And so, you know, sometimes we work ourselves out of a job. We help get things set up and then, you know, that's kind of that's kind of it. Um, for others, you know, they're ongoing um, uh, ongoing activities and uh, yeah, it's just it's it's been uh, I mean, I, I really like the, the work we do, you know, it's it's fun to get out and do training, but it's been really rewarding, uh, really great to get to know some of these farm operations that we work with. I mean, you you uh, you really get to know them well and um, yeah, just wonderful people to work with. So that's the second part of what we do. The third part of what we we do is I guess I would put this under the umbrella of agribusiness consulting and, and that includes working with not only agribusinesses, but uh, some of the producer groups, so some of the checkoff funded groups in terms of research. Um, we do we do a lot of data uh, analysis, you know, development of analytical tools, d dashboard development, things of that sort. 
uh, as well as some economic analysis. So that's a, a fairly big part of what we do as well, uh, focused primarily on the on the soybean and corn industries, but uh, by, by no means uh, are we limiting ourselves to that, but that's currently what we're doing right now. Well, and those are two of the well, it's the two largest uh, revenue crops probably in the United States as far as a crop side. I mean, I'm trying to think of anything else that would be close to that. I mean, wheat wheat acres have fallen off so much, and you know, although with the price of wheat lately, uh, you know, maybe it might catch up to soybeans this year. Don't know, but uh, uh, since I, you know, it's like right now. I just bought this land, farmland over the last couple of years, but this year I think I'm keeping track of three different types of wheat, dry peas, canola, corn, soybeans, and maybe barley. So uh, this this is becoming almost a job. Yeah, well, and that, yeah, that gets complicated managing all of those different aspects, keeping everything sorted. I mean, especially if you want to get down to cost of production. Yep. That, yep. that gets to be a challenge. Do you see what is the trend in the ag sector as far as uh, you know cost of production, accrual bases, accounting systems, and so on? And, and we'll talk about farm financial standards here in a little bit. But uh, what what do you see out there in the industry right now as far as the adoption of that? Well, I I'm I'm trying not to be cynical, Paul. Um, yeah. I think, I think I would say it ebbs and flows. You know, I think when when we have periods of good times, I think the the momentum, whatever it is, slows down. Yeah. And I, I think that when 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 things are good, right, there are lots of folks that are trying to sell lots of things to 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 farmers. We have lots of lenders that are entering right offering new products and you know if you're if you're um looking for for some cheap financing there's often somebody around that's going to you know try to do that to provide you and and often one of the sometimes i should say sometimes the enticement is you know just give us your tax return and a balance sheet or something like that yeah. so that if the trend had been towards you know year-end balance sheets and you know, going through the cash to cool process, it, it sometimes, again, not always, uh, I mean, I think some lenders have good systems in place and they stick to them, but but sometimes it's easy to relax things, right? Because we're trying to grow or um, we want to pick up some business. I think when times get tough, it's easier to clamp down and, and start to, to require things. And so I guess I see, I see an ebb and a flow. I think um, on a positive side, I think, um, while while there's still lots of room for improvement, I, I think I've seen certainly uh, an improvement on some of the um, maybe larger, more sophisticated farms. Not not trying to disparage anyone here. I'm just saying some of these operations that have their own accountant, right, or their own managerial accounting system, they really are on top of things. They're able to provide the types of information that lenders need, and uh, and they need as well for management decisions. Right. And it's, if you if you don't have that, if you're just keeping records for tax for your for your taxes, which you have to, but if that's the, if that's your purpose, well, that's that's often at odds, right, with um, managing costs of production per se down to the you know to the per bushel or at a field level. 
And so anyway, I, I think I've seen certainly many operations improve on that, but I think that it's also easy, right, to, to kind of go the easier way. And yep. so anyway, that, that's, yeah. that's kind of my, my assessment. Ask me tomorrow and maybe it'll change. Yeah. Well, and I think the the one thing I, I, I think I tend to see is that the livestock sector, the dairy, the hog, the even the cattle side, but certainly the hog, the poultry, the the dairy, they are much more advanced than let's say on the crop side. And and I think part of that is, you know, they need to know those numbers. The lender demands they need to know those numbers and the dollar volume, the loan volume is substantially higher and they may not have the collateral base that a row crop farmer does that owns, you know, 3000 acres, you know, with very little debt, you know, the lender knows their risk really isn't that much, but the dairy producer that's got, you know, 5,000 cows and, and they borrowed against 3000 of the cows that that's a whole lot bigger risk than, than the row crop side. Yeah. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly on everything you just said. And, uh, uh I think that's, yeah, I, I I I see that uh, time and time again the the level of information they have, um, and and I think you have to right margins tend to be thinner in yep. the livestock production space. Thinner and more more borrowing per per um, revenue dollar maybe is well I don't know if I should say that uh, it actually might be less borrowing per sales but certainly more borrowing versus collateral. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. Yeah, I, I think they're, they're, they're higher. They tend to be higher levered, certainly against right, their, their facilities. Right? I agree, they don't have the, the land as collateral. And I see, I've seen a lot of the larger institutions with working with the larger operations moving to a borrowing base, which yeah. you see in the commercial world. And that really, uh, that really forces management of inventory receivables payables you know and, and then you 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 hear conversations that sound a lot like a commercial enterprise yeah yeah, yeah. and i've seen some of those borrowing bases and it's like you mean we got to count our cows every month and we got to count this <laughs> and we got to count that yeah that that's what it means you know when you get up to that size and and i you know my previous life i guess if you want to call it that it was a part owner of a plastic packaging and printing business and we had a borrowing base certificate and every month we had to go through there what's our inventory you know on our receivables which receivables are over 90 days we had to exclude those and you know all that good type of stuff so uh, yeah, yeah no that's that's the real world so yeah <laughs> that is but uh, any, anything else on on Centrix that you wanted to share before we uh, dive into the farm financial standards um <clears throat> i mean we're we're a fairly small operation, uh, privately owned. We're still located in, technically our address is Savoy, but um, we're right next to the University of Illinois. So again, privately owned. The The original um, professors that were part of this have, have been long retired. Um, and so, you know, we're probably in the same boat as, as other institutions looking for folks that want to make a career of consulting and um, you know, always, always looking, but also yeah. finding it pr pr problematic to to find folks. You know, and and I think this is the same challenge that we're running into with our farm clients and and the lenders. 
you know, the number of people coming out of college today that have that production experience that grew up on a farm is yep. is less, right? Just, yep. There are fewer farms, fewer of those uh, folks coming back to the farm. And, you know, I really do value the 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 youth my, I had yep. growing up on a farm and just the experiences that that was. And, you know, you can teach somebody finance, econ and accounting, I think, um, but it's hard to teach them a lot of the production uh, stuff that comes on a farm. And and while we're not in the production business, I think it gives it gives you a, a really good perspective of the challenges yep. that farmers and ranchers face. Yeah, yeah, it, it it is definitely and always will be cyclical. I mean, you're going to have your good times, you're going to have your bad times, and you're going to have those times where you just muddle along. I mean, that's and I don't I don't ever see that really changing. And you've been out in my neck of the woods. You know, we can uh, bring uh, the flatlander farmers out here and slide them down a hill on a combine too. So that's that's uh, you know we we can still uh, teach you Midwesterners a little bit. Well, and I, I I remember I was out there on that combine, and I will say it was a little bit of a harrowing experience. So <laughs> uh, was... and 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 you weren't even on steep ground. Well, it seemed steep to me. You know, but what I think I remember more than anything is the the heat. I don't remember yeah. what year that was, but we were standing in the middle of this field. I don't know what elevation we were, and I think it was 107. And yeah, uh, it was. I don't think yeah. I've ever been. Well, I know I I'd never been in in hotter conditions. It was. <laughs> well, if you're out here last summer, we could have gotten you into 119. So, uh, although that was right before harvest, so harvest uh, cooled down definitely a little bit. So, uh, uh, but yeah, you know, most people, the, the assumption is that uh, the Washington State, you know, I think they view it as being Seattle, that it's green, that it's cool. Uh, you know, in the summer, historically, every year we're over 100 degrees, probably could be as high as 20 or 30 days. I remember one harvest when I was probably oh, a teenager, I think we had 30 straight days over 100. So uh, yeah, we, we definitely get the heat. Yeah, now it's dry. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter at that time. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's you, you can still boil somebody even with dry heat. That's what an air fryer is for. <laughs> so <laughs> what we'll do right now is we'll go ahead and take a quick break for a sponsor message. Get timely updates about taxation, accounting, succession planning, and other issues that are unique to farmers and agribusiness processors. Find out about major agribusiness events and how to comply with new laws that affect your business. Subscribe to Farm CPA at blogs.claconnect.com forward slash agribusiness and experience the CLA promise. blogs.claconnect.com forward slash agribusiness. Welcome back, everyone, to the Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer. I'm Paul Niefer, your host, and we're going to go ahead and rejoin our conversation with Todd Doring from Centrex in, in central Illinois. Well, Todd, let's let's jump over to the Farm Financial Standards Council. That's again, that's that's where I met you originally uh, was in Sioux Falls at the annual meeting, which is every usually the last week in July, not always, but usually it's the last week in July, and this year it'll be in Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, but um, your history with the Farm Financial Standards is a little bit longer than mine. 
let's just go through maybe a little bit of your history, what the farm financial standards is trying to accomplish, and and I'll just keep asking you a few questions on it. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I guess I, I can't really start uh, talking about that really without mentioning Steve Hofing. So he's my partner here at the company, and he was involved in the council from the beginning. Uh, and and so when I started, he was um, he was on the technical committee of the council. Uh, you know that first group that put all of this together, and it it really is amazing, humbling to think of all the work that went into generating that first report. Uh, oh, yeah. Just really a groundbreaking, I think, um, got, got set of guidelines that were that were developed. But I so I my involvement began in the early '90s, going to um, an event they used to have a summer symposium and a and a board meeting. So two different times of year, and the summer symposium was really technical, and so they'd get into some of the technical nuances that that farmers and ranchers face. And so I would I would go there and help, you know. I don't know, prepare, prepare some of the materials initially, you know, be involved in some of the discussions, but I kind of got involved in the, uh, on the, the financial statements, you know, putting, putting those together as the guidelines changed, uh, the, the format of those. And, and over time, you know, it probably wasn't until, you know, the, well, it was kind of on and off, I guess I'd say for the first maybe 15 years. Um, but starting in 2005, I've been, I've been a regular on there. Again, prior to that, it was it was a little bit more sporadic because we had Steve involved. We had another guy that was involved, and so it's hard to justify three of us. Yeah. yeah. But but anyway, so since then, yeah, I've been involved in the primarily the technical committee. Um, did a stint as the on the officer path for a while, which uh, you did as well. You preceded yeah. me a few years on that, and so mm -hmm. uh, so. That, that's kind of been my involvement, again, mostly on the technical side. Right now, I chair the technical committee with Jeff Bushy, who's a CPA in Michigan. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, we, we come out with a new updated guidelines every year, uh, at least on the financial statement side. And we also produce a managerial accounting uh, guidelines that maybe doesn't get, re I guess, maybe not refreshed as quickly as the guidelines, but... Uh, Certainly, if for those that are interested in in accounting uh, or you know improving your accounting, you know the website is ffff as in Frank sc.org, and I would certainly recommend for people to go to the website. It's very easy to download the the standards. the The cost is fairly nominal for what you get, and and it's a good it's a good set of standards. Uh, yeah. And again, Todd, are we are we basing it? Are we always in compliance with GAAP? Maybe, maybe we could just fill in the audience a little bit what we're really trying to accomplish. Yeah, uh, no is the short answer. Um, the long answer is if you look at the um, inside the title page of, of the guidelines, it says something along the lines of, you know, our goal as the Farm Financial Standards Council is that GAAP would be our guideline. Um, we don't have the, at least now, we don't have the technical, or I should say the systems, right, to be able to enable farms to keep records um, the way that we need. Uh, for instance, we don't have very many double, ent uh, double entry accounting systems, right, running on an accrual basis. So yeah. the 
that was written in 1991, so 31 years ago, and it's still there. Um, yeah. It's still been, it's still in in the front cover of both of these guidelines. And so I think, you know, we, we do have a lot of CPAs on the, on the council. I think kind of around the time where you came on, we've had a lot of, of an increase. And I think that's been really good. It's brought a, uh, some, some technical expertise to the, to the discussion. Uh, I think you and I worked on the, on the addition of the hedging example. I don't know. That was probably 2012 or something like that, but yeah. Uh, anyway, I think the the development of these guidelines um, has been, you know, very rewarding for people because I think it does it does help. But on the other hand, if you look about where we are, have we made a lot of changes? And I think that goes back to maybe the comment earlier, right, where we are in the industry. And I think there's an awareness of the guidelines. I think um, many many CPAs are becoming aware or are aware of them and you know, uh, would would use some of the recommendations, but there are certain things that the guidelines, you know, we'll we'll talk about. You know, okay, we we recommend or, or GAP is the preferred method, but given right the the time and effort into getting this up and working, we here here's an alternative approach. And I right. I don't know exact number, but I'd say there are maybe ten kind of key areas that you know one of them would be. Um, the way leases are are handled. One yep. would be the way raised breeding stock is handled. Um, anyway, so there are there are a few what we call exceptions to GAP. So the you know the overriding principle is we recommend GAP, but we understand that many operations don't have um, the the records to get there. And so here are some quote unquote workarounds uh, that we think will get to. Uh, a, a fairly reasonable uh, uh, estimation of accrual earnings. Yeah, and I, and I think the the good thing about providing some of those quote workarounds is if you implemented all those, I'm 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 fairly confident. I would say that if you are on true gap versus what our recommendations are, your final bottom line answer for balance sheet and income and cash flow statements are going to be pretty close. I mean, I I I think it's it's designed to still meet, quote, the objectives of GAP without necessarily all the extra work that might be involved in, in doing some of that stuff. Oh, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, yeah, I mean, I think these approaches are are used by many of the um, land-grant universities, their record-keeping systems, uh, a lot of the analytical software that farm that, that lenders to farmers and ranchers use are based upon these uh, on these principles. So, yeah, and I, I think time and time again, it's been it's been proven that, yeah, this is a, a sound approach. And and even GAP, you know, especially on the inventory side, uh, you know, you were talking about true double entry accrual. I mean, that that is, uh, you know, from again, I had a little bit of a manufacturing background. I mean, we're taking work in progress, we're taking raw material, we're adding work in progress. We're coming up with finished goods. We book that on the inventory, and then as it's sold, we create cost of goods sold. Well, the farm side, we have the same thing. We have you know the seed that you plant in the ground. Then you get the chemicals, the fertilizer, the tillage, and all that. That's a your work in progress. And then you harvest the corn, harvest the soybeans. That becomes your finished goods, and then you go ahead and and you know 
as you sell that finished good, you're going to create your cost of goods sold. Now, that's the true what I call the true gap accrual accounting. But gap also says, hey, farmer, as long as you have a ready, readable, determinable market for your crops, you can, I won't necessarily say ignore all that, but you can value it on your balance sheet at fair market value. And essentially, over time, you're going to come up with the same answer. Yeah, yeah. I uh, And I think the... We, we actually changed the term, I think, a few years ago, a net realizable value um, of, of inventory, right? But yeah, if, if there's a readily determinable price, it's it's kind of a homogenous product, a commodity, and it's ready, readily available for sale or immediately available for sale. Gap, I mean, that's Gap. Yeah. Gap, yep. Gap says, yeah, that that is acceptable. You know, and I think what you were talking about on the, um, you know, the raw material uh, work in progress and uh, finished goods, right? That goes the the managerial accounting guy that you recommended that you reference goes into a lot of detail on that yep. whole process, right? How how you would implement a managerial accounting system, how you would set up your profit uh, centers, your cost centers, how you would allocate your indirect costs, and uh, it, it you you actually mentioned something I wanted to reference here that that one doesn't get updated as much. Um, because it the the first got the first manual is the financial guidelines for agriculture, and there we're really trying to keep up with what is changing from GAAP, right? As GAAP right. changes things, yeah. we're trying to keep up with that on a financial guidelines perspective. But on the managerial side, right, the implementation of how you're going to set up a system that doesn't change uh, all the time, right? Like no. GAAP does. So we try and keep it current. You know, we certainly have updated it probably three times, but the, the financial guidelines we do update yearly or try to, just to, to try and stay up with the changes that GAP is promulgating. And of course, GAP sometimes can't even make up their mind when they make a change, like lease accounting. I mean, wasn't that supposed to be implemented about seven years ago? And I think now it's finally finally getting implemented somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah. So we actually, this is one of those where we were we, we we got that implemented a few years ago, um, so we're ahead of I guess ahead of the game there. Yeah, yeah. So so, but sometimes when you get ahead, that's like the bleeding edge. You know, we, sometimes we don't want to go there, but I think in this case we did a good job on that, so I, I think we're fine. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to share with uh, Farm Financial Standards? And and we're going we're coming to the end of the conversation. I was just curious if there's something else you wanted to mention about the standards. Well, the I mean, I think so. We really have three documents: the financial guidelines for agriculture, management accounting guidelines for agriculture, and then there's an implementation guide, which is yep. a, a real short thing. And Paul already me- me- mentioned the website ffsc.org, and you can you can go online, become a member. It's it's fairly reasonable, and you get both of those documents. Uh, it's it's a not-for-profit group. Uh, a lot of volunteers on this uh, work. You know, we've got different committees. Uh, it's just been a really fun and rewarding experience for me. I've, I mean, I would have never met you, Paul. I've enjoyed getting <laughs> to know you over the years. And yeah. a lot of folks that are a part of that council group, um, I, I consider friends. And yeah. it's just been a, it's been very professional, rewarding to to be a part of that and, you know, see something that's getting updated every year and is, you know, getting distributed to thousands of people. Um, it's 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 been a really good time and I, I i really think that they continue to the the organization continues to to do good work i mean institutions are 
using this. Uh, th yeah. This last year, we we pushed out some revisions to the financial ratios, which is always a little more uh, difficult or maybe uh, we have more interest in, in the yes. ratios than we do some of the other the other topics. Um, we don't seem to have as much interest in deferred taxes, but you know, talk about financial ratios and we have a lot of people that uh, want to come in on that. And so we had a it's probably was a two and a half, three year effort uh, to revise those. And um, we tried to clean that up a little bit. And I, I'm, and I, I think what we have is good. Doesn't mean that we won't change it again in the future, but yeah, yeah. Uh, we're, we're trying to, you know, keep up with with the industry and um, both the agricultural industry and GAP. So yeah. anyway, I would I would certainly encourage anyone who wants to to be a part of that and you know help make a difference in you know advancing uh, the the quality of ag financial statements to 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 get involved. It's been a great group. Um, the annual meeting, as Paul mentioned, is this July. It's in Annapolis, Maryland. And uh, anyway, we'd love to have have more people involved. Yeah, and, and it isn't strictly for CPAs or consultants or academia. It's for producers. It's for anybody that really has an interest in in helping farmers understand and and better implement uh, financial standards. Yeah, yeah. We and and if think about the types of people we do have. I mean, we do have a fair number of CPAs, which, as I mentioned earlier, I think has really helped with the the technical documents. But we've got software. Uh, providers represented. Yes. We've got folks that work with the record keeping associations. Um, we have producers, lenders, both farm credit and commercial banks, as well as um, in the past, we've had folks from captive finance companies and insurance companies. And and so, yeah, it's a broad, a broad group of folks interested in, in this industry. And, and the bankers and the farm credit people in our association, they get along very well. They do. <laughs> that yeah. isn't always that also isn't always true in the rest of the of the industry, so to speak. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> but we all get along. Uh, yeah, we do. We have a, have a good time together. Although we sometimes there is, uh, I won't say heated discussion, but there can be you know pretty good discussion, especially if you're changing the ratios. You know, if somebody's used to a ratio as being this way and they've used it this way for thirty years, it, it can be hard to get them to change their mind. Well, it can, uh, and and I think one of the 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 values of the of the group, and it actually talks about it early on. You know, it it the council is not just any one person or organization, right? It's a it's a consensus effort, and so yeah. we really try to take all opinions in into account. I mean, it's it's uh, we we vote on on things, and if if people have reservations or significant reservations, we, you know, we we. We change course. We continue yep. discussing. You know, we, yep. we our goal here is to reach consensus on on what we want. So, if someone is in, listening to this and interested in seeing some changes, well, the best way to do that's get involved and join the discussion. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, again, Todd, uh, thank you very much for taking time out of your day to have this discussion. Is there any parting thoughts you wanna wanna mention to the listeners? No, I think I think I was able to summarize that. I mean, I, I do appreciate you reaching out. Uh, it's been a pleasure to to talk to you this morning. And uh, yeah, I appreciate all your work, all you do, getting the word out um, to the industry on tax tax issues. So that's helpful. And yeah, I appreciate being a part of this, Paul. Okay. Again, Todd, thank you very much. This is the 
Farm CPA podcast presented by Top Producer, and I'm Paul Neefer, your host, and I'm signing off.